0: This is Jay Scott, and you are listening to The Hook, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Everyone's having a splendid day. Today's guest is an old friend of mine, Justin Barron. He's going to join us and talk about 70s kiss versus 80s kiss and what that all entails. How are you doing today, Justin?
1: I'm doing great, man. What's going
0: on? I'm doing well. Thanks for doing this. I really do appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no problem. problem.
0: So, So the first question... I always ask any contributor or guest is the essence of the show. Like every great rock song has a hook that sucks you in. Every rock music fan has a moment where a song, an album, a performance, a band got them hooked on rock and roll. What hooked you?
1: What hooked me to Kiss? Well, you know, being a a child that was born in the 70s, I think. The, 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 visual, the, the cartoon characters, you know, I, I, I was born in 76. The visual can lead backwards to, I think getting the, you know, getting the Gene Simmons doll, like after they were popular on, on, on clearance, missing like maybe a leg, you know, a couple of articles of his clothing, you know, and just knowing this band was kind of cool and, you know, there, there was something collectible about them and there were, there were four of them and each one's a little different, but I didn't know how that kind of intrigue visually and I don't know if he wants to say make it like sort of a superhero or a comic book figure, you know, something iconic about them. As a little kid who, who you know, and as a little kid, I, I love putting on makeup and I love dressing up and I love the whole theatrics of, of that stuff of like being a magician or a magic show. The more information I got around Kiss, the more I sort of like my detective work looking into them, got more and more of that. And uh, this was the visual. But then when I checked out the music, you know, even checking out the records from the library, uh, a live to specifically, it was just like, wow, there's something pretty cool going on here. Orstein, I think it was on a three, two, one contact or one of those shows that was, they did like the behind the scenes of like putting up the kiss stage on the dynasty tour. And they were test the vocal effects for gene and like God of thunder and all of that stuff, which is really, really interesting. It spoke to me as a kid. And, and it, 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 made me as I, when I got into junior high, I really wanted to kind of dig further and, and know who this band was and what they were about. And the more I found out, more often than not, I was digging it and loving it and intrigued by it, you know, and it it, it did it for me, and and, and in a lot of ways.
0: So KISS was your first experience with rock music?
1: Oh, man. I'm not sure. You know, I remember being in my my parent's station wagon, and I heard the song Hotter Than Hell. Uh, They had a station wagon where there was an old 8-track player in it. Mm Mm-hmm. I I got some of those records, the LPs, and they were kind of beat up from the library. I, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, I, I, FM radio was great. You know, there's a lot of great stuff on the radio. There's there's music, like, you know, a, a lot of the old school Chicago stuff and like Santana's second album and, and some of the stuff that was in my parents' record collection definitely spoke to me. So I, I don't know. But I know in junior high, sort of coming back into you know, you know, you know, adolescence and Kiss was definitely right there. Van Halen and Kiss were like one of the the, the first few bands that I really wanted to, to, to track down every album and, and just kind of just really get into it. And as I did, I really got into them. They was great.
0: Yeah. The first album I paid for with my own money, it was a cassette of Kiss Lick It Up. Right I, up. I had known of them and I had heard them prior to that. I think the first experience I had with my awareness of KISS was being at the grocery store with my mom and getting in the checkout line. And they have that, you know, that rack where they sell all the magazines. And I remember, I think it was a people magazine or an us magazine that had the introduction of Eric Carr, who was the Fox, who was replacing Peter, Chris, the cat man. So I remember the, the images on the front cover of the magazine and, of course, as I'm waiting, I kind of grabbed it and just started looking, and I didn't know what they were, and I didn't know how they sounded. I just thought that they looked really cool. I remember them being on Solid Gold. Um, I think they performed. Uh-huh. I think they performed "I" from the from the Elder on Solid Gold, and okay. I remember them doing interviews or seeing them on like late night shows if I was allowed to stay up at that age. I remember okay, seeing yeah. that. But really the, the biggest impact was when I was at a friend of the family's house on a Friday night. And I don't know if it was a re-record of an earlier in the week episode of, it was on MTV, and it was the unveiling of Kiss Without the Makeup. And yeah. you know they showed yeah. Paul Stanley, they showed Gene Simmons, they showed Vinnie Vincent, and they showed Eric Carr. And they world-premiered the video for Lick It Up, which was like this Mad Max like end of the world apocalyptic type of, which later I found out that was actually, they didn't do anything to the set. That was actually filmed in LA as is with the surroundings. That's kind of funny. But so that was my, that was my, that was my first introduction to them. So I, I really didn't know much of them prior to that. until I got older and I started to discover things probably a few years later with kiss alive too. I was at a friend of my brother's house and he had alive too on, on vinyl and while they were downstairs doing whatever i was up in his room just l- looking at that album cover and just listening to Alive 2 which had a big impact on me as well what do you think were in terms of you when you listen to kiss now that you know they're in the twilight of their career they're they're at the end of the road as they say yeah where do you yeah. go back i mean do you do you, are you more of a 70s kiss fan or are you more of an 80s kiss fan
1: see for me, um, I, I have friends, you know, that are clear. Like I like a live one. I like the seventies stuff, you know, anything past like dynasty. They're, they're disinterested. I have to say, you know, I'm a fan of kiss overall. I, I, I don't, do I love every decision they make? Uh, ch- choice of how they present themselves. And you know, no, absolutely not. You know, there's, there's, there's great things about kiss. There's things them that, that I don't really, I think they could do a little better, but, um, what i i'm just i'm just a fan of the whole thing you know um i found you know like you said growing up what what attracted me in was the, obviously the 70s you know finding the paul stanley solo album on lp in my uh in my buddy's basement he had a basement that had flooded it was like his older brother or sister's album that it was just sitting there he let me take it and i took that home and played it and like, that was sort of like oh you know i think that was like the fall of being in seventh grade It sort of uh, led me down that path to get all that music in the next next year or so yeah but I like it I, I like it all I appreciate it all you know uh, the, the 80 like I think Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley are really really smart I think they're really really uh, how they chose to adapt and change with the times now if you want to call that you know sort of following the trend or sort of flowing with or whatever I definitely think those guys have an edge to them I think there's a I think there's a masculine quality to what they do. I think they're very. Uh, I think they're very good. I think they make overall good, good creative decisions. You know, and then and there's always an exception here or there. I find all those '80s albums really interesting. I, I think the music video is interesting. It's like marketing tools. I think how they uh, uh, have marketed themselves. as like home video and, and, and repackaged and sold their story over and over again. It's an an inspiring story. You know, they believe in themselves and it's about being confident and and it's about uh, entertaining, but it's not not all flash. I mean, those songs are meat and potato songs. People diss on them for for not being that complex or whatever, but, I mean, those guys wrote really good pop songs. Yeah,
0: no, I agree with that. Um, You know, you you have your, you know, the musicians who sometimes have an elitist view on what a guitar should sound like and what a song should sound like. And sometimes the the simplicity... Is greater than something that has like these intricate notes and these progressive uh, style arrangements. You know, the Beatles are never going to be accused of great mu- you know, being great musicians either. But they could write a great song. They could write a great hook, and they were simple. It wasn't complex. And Kiss has often been compared to the heavy metal Beatles or the hard rock Beatles. I, you know, I yeah. I, I, I understand yeah. that comparison, and I get it. You know, especially yeah. when they were writing their first few records, it was very simple. The Kiss debut record, you know, Strut or Deuce, Wasn't Complex, Hotter Than Hell, which I think is a very underrated album, Dress to Kill. One of the yeah. things that yeah. that always burdened Kiss, especially early on in their career, was the live show or the studio albums didn't match what was coming out of the speakers at a live show. You know, the energy right. that they were able to right. produce. I mean, you listen to a live one, which we know that a lot of it was filtered in, especially the crowd noise, and even Alive 2, which I think is just as good as Alive 1. You, you, yeah. you listen to their early records, and it, just, it doesn't really give you that lift until you hear it live. And then you kind of go back, yeah. and then you, kinda, you, you you appreciate those songs more. But Kiss has always been one that you needed to hear live.
1: Absolutely. I mean, they, they talk about that Alive 1 record, you know, being sort of like a, um, you, you know, something that you would take home from the show, uh, sort of give you what that experience was. And I know most of it, I think what was it was Eddie Kramer, who I think they re-recorded that whole album pretty much, like none of it's live. But it, does, it doesn't matter. Right? They're giving you the, the, the feel of what this thing is. You know, it's more than just the studio album. Like, we're a live band. We're all, those guys took their show through the people you know they got in a station wagon and they drove all over it pretty much broke in the midwest but it went everywhere yeah they broke in detroit yeah
0: yeah detroit was really the first midwest big city that in cleveland and then chicago you know chicago i don't know if they've ever really been as big in chicago as they are in detroit or cleveland or minnesota but they did break very big in the midwest more so than they did maybe in new york or in the west coast and you know, that's why when they had that reunion tour, their first show was in Detroit.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, Detroit Rock City.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because <laughs> uh, you know, because
0: if you listen to those albums after Alive One, The Destroyer, The Love Gun, The Rock and Roll Over, totally different feel, better production. You know, that was one of the things that didn't that worked against them in the first few records was the songs were great, you know, whether it's Cold Gin, Strutter, Deuce, Hotter Than Hell, Firehouse, whatever, but the production wasn't the best. Whereas when you listen to, to Destroyer and Love Gun, and I love Rock and Roll Over, yeah, yeah. The, the sound quality yeah. on those three just completely, completely dwarfs those of the previous records.
1: Well, you know, the thing is that especially you know having worked with bands and, and knowing a little bit about the recording process, I mean, when you're a uh, a, a new a newbile band, you know, it's like the budget's just unfair. Like you gotta. You gotta have the songs down you go in the recording studio you sort of get down as best you can you know it's got to sound you know respectable you know on an album like destroyer they're able to spend a lot of time in the studio and, and do some things different and get like you know a hot shot producer bob ezren and, and uh but those first albums i think they they did what they needed to do and they put those out like really quickly too i mean like i Nowadays, you get Metallica putting out an album, you know, once every eight years or something like that. It's like they, they put out like three albums in like two years or something like that. It's, it's awesome. You know, they did what needed to be done and the, the records were good enough. I mean, those records are good albums. I, I, I go over to a buddy's house and, we, and we, we play them. You know, he puts them on the turntable and we listen to them and they're, and they're good. And I, I love listening to the Unplugged album playing those old songs. Like they're, they're good songs. Um, yeah.
0: And the, and again, once again, very simple, good hooks, great yeah. hooks. And yeah. you don't need to be, you know, you don't need to be the rush of the world. You don't need to be the yeses of the world. You know, if you if you sometimes it's, it's just, you know, as as Kiss is, keep it simple, stupid. Right. And the one album that I've grown to appreciate, actually two albums I've grown to appreciate more as I've gone as I've gotten older is Hotter Than Hell and Rock and Roll Over. Um, when I was younger, okay. I, w- I always preferred Dress to Kill. Dress to Kill was my go-to record of the first three. And I went back and mm-hmm. forth between Love Gun and Destroyer. But now, if I have a choice, I'm listening to Hotter Than Hell or I'm listening to Rock and Roll Over. Because I think Hotter Than Hell, underrated, kind of gets uh, looked over because you talk about the debut, then you talk about Dress to Kill because of Rock and Roll Nights on Dress to Kill, Come On and Love Me. And then Rock and Roll Over really, to me, is kind of an afterthought for a lot of people. They talk about Destroyer, they talk about Love Gun. Rock and Roll Over, I think, was recorded live. Um, Not a live album, but it was recorded live in the studio. And some of the songs on there, like Mr. Speed, is is some of my favorite stuff.
1: All that, all those songs, man. All of that, all that stuff. Uh, Up into the solo albums, you know, Kiss, the first album, up through Love Gun. It's all class. It's all for me, like with, with the exception of like uh, the, the the cover, and then and then she kissed me on "Love Gun," which I never really you know, you know that song doesn't really do it for me so much. But um, you know, up to, through alive too. You mentioned uh, "Hotter Than Hell." I mean, um, you got strange ways on there, which kills. You know, going blind.
0: Coming home. Uh,
1: Oh my God! You know, parasite. Yeah, watching you. It, I mean, there's not a bad tune on that album. I, I think the recording's kind of the the production of it. You know, it's it's kind of just just there. I mean, you get the Melvins do "Going Blind." It's, it's great, man. I just, uh, yeah, it's it's classic, you know. And then "Rock and Roll Over" is another like, but like, that's just a solid classic. That's Kiss and they're, they're in form. They got great great live show. The costumes are working. You know, they got a thing going on. Here's another great route. Here's another classic album. It's Calling Dr. Love. Uh,
0: lady, it's, lady, got yeah. it's got Ladies Room. It's got Hard Luck yeah. Woman. It's got um, yep. Yep. I'll See You in My Dreams. Yep. Yeah. Really good stuff. Yep. Really good stuff.
1: Yeah, Make opens up with I Want You. That, that's great. I think when I saw Kiss on uh, the Hot in the Shade tour, and they went on for an encore, they, they had a, they had a big, big sphinx on stage for the, the regular show. And it was huge. It came out of the mouth, and then the Sphinx, you know, lowered. I'm sure fans who, who would listen to this would know this, but the Sphinx lowered, and then they brought up like a three dimensional kiss song, you know, the, the iconic kiss song. You know, like the K was a little funky. And I think the, I, if I remember correctly, Paul came out and did uh, I want you. It, I don't know if he opened back up with that, but it was yeah. He had a mirror ball came down, and it was I man, it was just classic. You know, it just. I, I'm sorry, but you know, you don't have a 40 plus year career with a bunch of turds you know i mean just the, the, the songs the songs are good pop ties into where the musicians they were they were channeling and loving at the time it was heavy and it was i think i think it probably was directed and marketed more towards i not mean, obviously i'll rock and roll for kids and teenagers but you know they're probably like your your, your the little brothers band. The, the older brother like you know zeppelin or even the stones and the little brother maybe like kiss so it doesn't matter here, here's my entry in. Right, it worked for me.
0: You know, one of the things with Kiss is, as they moved on throughout their, throughout their career in the 70s was the fact that they, after the solo records, they kind of became more of a pop culture act, more designed for kids than... Sure. You know, because I remember, like, again, being at that grocery store with my mom seeing the Halloween costumes, seeing the dolls. Right. You know, there were so right. many, you went from influencing so many different people, right? You know, so many different musicians speak of the 76, 77 tours as, you know, yeah. especially guitar players. When they talk about ACE freely, you know, they saw ACE yeah. and they, they wanted to play guitar. They saw the flying guitar going in the air and that's what they wanted to right. do. So the flying,
1: the flying, smoking guitar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, when they, they when they come back after the solo records, after Alive 2, the solo records, really, Ace Freely is the only one that really did well. Paul Stanley had some mild success, but Jeans and Peter's pretty much bombed. They go in and they record Dynasty, which yeah. is labeled as the disco record in the Kiss collection. And I don't know if that's yeah. fair. You know, they've got, obviously, I Was Made for Love and You is considered a disco song, but they, at that point...
1: I think sure enough. Something is, um, is, is, is kind of disco-y too. You yeah. know, it's got that, uh, it's got that feel. It's got that, that baseline. It's got that, uh, that sort of, you know, disco. So it, it feels like what was in the air at the time and it? it's fine, whatever, you know, <laughs> I look at that and the whole body of work, but yeah, they were doing with the stones and Rod Stewart, you know, they, they wanted a piece of, of what was going on in pop too. And, you know, I, I, it, 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 you, you can look at it two ways, but again, for me, it, it's a good album. I like the song, you know? I, I I like a lot of that disco music from the time. You know, I like I, I grew up on the Saturday Night Beaver soundtrack and movie, and I kind of derailed you here a little bit. No, Dynasty, I mean, I, I think that's interesting, and I think it works as, as an album because, you know, there's, what is there like four Ace songs on there? Like, you know, Ace had them, you know, the most popular solo album and the most sort of, like, acclaimed solo albums on there, Two thousand
0: man yeah, great cover
1: uh, save your love but no it, I'm, it, I'm looking at the, i'm looking at my cassette tape right now i 'm just looking at the uh, the track list
0: but no it, it was um yeah, but I think at that point when they came back and they started to become you know they had to kiss lunchbox, they had to kiss toys and and Halloween costumes and all that stuff. They started to become more of a little kid band, you know. And even Gene and Paul have talked about this in interviews in, uh, over the years. That little kids started coming. It started to become like more like the circus, like Barnum and Bailey, where kids would come with their families instead of it being more the of the of the kid in school, the rebel, you know, the, the the disenfranchised youth. It started to lose its way a little bit. Probably, you know, around the Dynasty era that the. the unmasked of course the elder you know we could talk about that but it seemed and and they even talk about this that it 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 just didn't it wasn't doing what they entit what they intended it to be to do it became something completely different
1: i've heard i've heard them say that in all the interviews i think a lot of some of what they say sometimes is in relation to what they're what they're pitching now because I've heard him say that it was just families and stuff, but that's where, it, that's where it evolved to, you know? And then they were saying, oh, it was just families coming, but that's when they were sort of promoting a, a harder kiss, a heavier kiss, you know, revenge era, you know? And even the, the reunion tour on, you know, I mean, you know, there, there's pictures of Paul Stanley posing with naked women and Gene Simmons and Playboy. Like, it was definitely an R-rated, there were some R-rated aspects, as there was back in the 70s, but in Dynasty it became more PG or almost G-rated at some points. You know, I'm, I'm as a kid intrigued by, you know, the Phantom of the Park movie and whatever. But but now it's it's gone back to like a legacy band where their their fans are bringing their kids sort of a rite of passage. So I don't think Paul would um, bitch about families coming because it, it has become a rite, rite of passage. So I think it's definitely geared towards adolescence. But then adolescents grow up and it becomes a generational thing for, for kids to discover. I think it does speak to the little kid. I think it does speak to the child that wants to be a superhero and wants to, uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're like, you know, four superheroes, four, four rock gods on stage. The God of Thunder goes up to the top of the, top of the building and, you know, fire bursts and these, you know, these things about the God of Thunder, or the war machine, you know, being unholy or whatever it is. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's a great song. It's fun. It, yeah. it, it's fun. It's theatrical and, so I, I think it, the, the harder edge speaks to initially the rebellious teenager, you know, the, the adolescents discovering sex and, and, and girls. And, you know, so they're giving you some of that, you know, we're the rock gods are sort of the gatekeepers. A lot of the stuff we're the ones indulging. And then I, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I do say they sold it out, but they just sold, they sold that. And it's like, okay, when we can, we can sell, it's trending with kids. So we'll sell it, we'll, we'll sell it to an even younger demographic and, but I know Gene Simmons talks about it in one of like I don't know what is it's um, Kiss uh, Extreme Close Up or I forget the two of the movies they did in the early nineties. We talked about like, you know you, you climb one mountain, then you want you, you want to climb another one. You get a taste of that, and you want to do that one. and You want to accomplish the next goal. You know, so they you know they they've get, they've gotten fame on this level, and they want to go to the next level. And I can't I can't blame them. You know, there are a lot of bands that have stayed the same. They get a little stale. That's what I find interesting about you know seventies kids versus eighties kids. It's to me, it's all really interesting. I, I find all the help really interesting. You know, even though if there's a song or two that I'm not into, you know, with with the exception of like Psycho Circus, is like my least. You well,
0: know, that was more nineties though, though, wasn't it? Obviously. I mean, that was more. You know, I mean, like, but but as they moved on in the late seventies to the early eighties, you know, you had Dynasty, which. Even though most Kiss fans at that time didn't like that record, it still produced yeah, yeah, a top yeah. twenty hit with "I Was Made for Loving You," which yeah, which now if you have a top twenty hit, it's not as big of a deal as it was back then. You know, for a, for a rock band like right. Kiss who right. you know right. was not considered mainstream, to have a song like that is and one of their biggest hits, it says something to the times because disco really had taken over. And then you had the beginning of Punk um, really in full swing in 1979. So they yeah. they had yeah. a lot of success with that. And then they went in and did Unmasked. And I know you and I have talked about it before. I think that record sounds, I think it holds up a lot better than people thought it would originally. I think now if you listen to it, it's got some really good stuff. It's definitely more of a pop record along yeah. the lines. You know, it kind of continues with the Dynasty music style. Uh, into the early '80s, you know, with, with unmasked, and I think you know if you listen to some songs like Shandy and Tomorrow, and I know there's others, or not, you know, is that you, which is I think is a good song. There's a lot of Ace material on that record because I think I think they yep. wanted to capitalize yeah. on the fact that Ace had such a big solo album, bigger than the rest of the guys.
1: Again, bringing Ace in, you know, letting him be more of a, a contributor to material. You know, you've got what two sides of the coin, Torpedo Girl talk to me talk you know? to that me yes yes I know, yeah yeah paul stanley like gave him a lot of credit for talk to me again that album conceptually it's kind of interesting where they're kind of teasing that they're going to take their makeup off you know and, and obviously at that point they still there still was obviously some uh, intrigue you know with the culture about what do these guys look like with without their makeup so they were able to still play with that um I, I listen to that album. It sounds very much like, like the production sounds like Yacht Rock a little bit to me. Like it sounds like a, a little bit more like a, like, a, like, like, like a Doobie Brothers or Michael McDonald or something like that, you know, like a Kenny Loggins or something production of, of the time uh, of the radio. But that's, that's where I see it, it's like Kiss, Kiss made it, and then they're going to go get one and do another pop with okay. disco. You know, then it's like, okay, where do we go next? Well let, let's try to do a little more mainstream rock. My problem with KISS is is they discredit some of the foundation that they've already laid and they try to kind of branch out a little bit and then and, and, and instead of coming back to that foundation, they'll sort of they they take it for granted. I think it's too obvious for them to kind of um like that album I was saying, it sounded, it sounds very much like a yacht rock album, like in terms of production. Mm-hmm. Some of the hard edges have been rounded a little bit, and uh, the songs are good, but the, it, 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 it's very much of that time. And I think that you know, obviously, they're, they they want to be contemporary. They want to, you know, they don't want to sound like something that, that happened ten years ago. But you know, I, I don't know. I know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers those guys were being given by management, and you know, what what kind of advice they were being given, or what songs were on the radio that were really. Inspired to them, you know. I know Paul Stanley; he's usually he's got his ear to the ground in terms of like where he wants to go. You know, this person had a hit with this. You know, I could do this too, and he usually does. But that album, to me, like it's just it's got a little. It's just a little, like conceptually. You know, they're flirting with the idea of taking their makeup off and flirting with the, you know the uh, the intrigue they had as a band, a mass, uh you know, band where you didn't know their identity and. I, I, I don't know. It's not one of my favorites, but.
0: Well, I think that whole period. I yeah, I, I think the, the whole period, you know, with those three albums Dynasty, Unmasked, The Elder, it was kind of a lost period for kids and, and, and for Kiss. And I don't mean that as like, you know, throwaway music. I just think that they were searching for an identity to regain their identity, they were having internal problems. I mean obviously Peter Chris left after Dynasty and then Ace freely yeah. left after The Elder and there was a lot of internal yeah. battles and struggles going on. So I think it was there there was a, they were going in a lot of different directions and I think that they lost the essence of what Kiss was during that period. And there's there's moments where they have it, right? There's moments on 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 all three of those records that you can say, you know, that's kiss. That's what kiss should sound like. Yeah, yeah, but I think as yeah. a whole, the direction was lost. And I think at, at, especially that moment, maybe not so much the elder, but dynasty and unmasked instead of them leading the influence, they were kind of behind the influence. They were playing catch up or they were trying to cross over into other areas of music, um, to grow their fan base and become more mainstream.
1: Absolutely. You know, uh, what I find really interesting about this period, it's sort of a, um, in, in terms of them being sort of a legacy, you know, 40, 40, you know, some 40 years and as a band, the, the zeitgeist of what that sort of, um, uh, space they were occupying in pop music, you know, like the kiss guitar player, the lead guitar player was, was changing from seventies guitar to eighties guitar. And obviously that, that, Resulted in the changing from Ace Freely to um, the guest players that played, you know, solos on uh, Creatures of the Night to Mark St. John, or Vinny Vincent, Mark St. John, and then Bruce Kulick. You know, and Bruce Kulick sort of became the stay of that. You know, it, it went from you know Jimmy Page and and Tony Iommi and and others other icons. You know, from Richie Blackmore and just people that were really groundbreaking. To, you know Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhoads sort of setting the new trend for 80s guitar, and everybody was pl- kind of playing catch up to that. And where you know where uh, Ace Frehley was a rock god in the 70s, I, I I'm not saying he doesn't fit into that, but I think for Kiss to be able to take off the makeup and be an MTV band, you know, I I think they needed uh, you know losing Ace, they had to just kind of embrace the trend and uh, and go with it and, be, and become an 80s. You know, oh, it, 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 you know an 80s hair metal band you know that kind of um you know, i think they took a lot of cues from van halen you know i think they saw van halen and saw the excitement and new energy of this new thing and you know they they, they, they kind of took some of that wild jungle man sort of uh thing that Dave Lee roth was i think paul stanley's definitely embracing that you know asylum and and uh animalized and
0: sure with the with the with the different colors and you know I mean you look at yeah. each album they released in the eighties, you know it was a different look in on each album, and kind of going back a little bit with the elder, you know the elder is yeah. is regarded as kiss's worst record outside of maybe the Peter Chris solo album but as as it as again like unmasked as as time moves on, the album. Does sound better than it did back in the day. I mean, I remember listening to. I remember the remember the big deal about the Elder was that it was out of print and you couldn't get it anywhere, and no record store had it. And it was like the big thing to get the Elder. And then they when they re released it, I remember getting it and listening to it, and I was like, eh, it's it's all right, you know, it's 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 definitely Kiss, but yeah, it's got some yeah. good moments on it. It's got some good songs, but I don't think they release an album that is so accepted by KISS fans and even some non-KISS fans like Creatures of the Night. And I don't think that album happens if Elder didn't bottom them out. Because even Paul Stanley talks about the crowds during the Creatures of the Night tour. The US crowds were I mean they were they were playing the half empty arenas. And you yeah. know, they had such yeah. pushback and I and I almost think that they're still kind of paying for that era of KISS. They're still kind of paying for the 79, 80, 81 Kiss era, where they became like Barnum and Bailey. They became more interested in in, you know, selling stuff to kids, whether you know the Pez Dispenser or whatever. And then they had this concept album that completely fell flat. I think in some ways, they're they're still paying for that in terms of people taking them serious. Now I could be wrong. But I, because I, I look at some of the stuff, I, I I used to say that if Kiss had the makeup on and they released Creatures of the Night, animalize and lick it up, the, the orders kind of screwed up there. But you know what I mean? They would have been just as huge as '70s Kiss when Alive came out, and, the, and, and that's what broke them.
1: Yeah, I have um, I have some thoughts about that. Wh- one of the things I know about. Um, I know about I know know about KISS I think the uh, the blue collar work ethic that exists in those guys and connects to their fans I don't think Gene and Paul have ever forgotten what it's like to be poor and not have money and so I think that those guys have that ethic of where they want to kind of go out and keep earning and earning as much as possible and if that means I don't think they water down the music, but if, if, if that means kind of selling it it's not even a compromise it's just like they wanted a disco track so they 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 go and they they read, they get a couple disco tracks and get a hit you know there's a psychic cost for that but um that's what they wanted to do they wanted to um I think they want to be on the top in the premiere, you know, in, in, in in the zeitgeist, you know, and, um, um, I don't think it's dishonest. I think those guys have a good ear for what's, what's popular. And they, I think they've had some really good taste and sort of, sort of like what they've written over the years. Um, for me, the elder, I I feel like for me, the elder, it's just as an album. I, I, I wanted more. Like I, I, I would have loved that to be a true double album, you know, Kiss's double album concept album with Bob Ezrin. I wish they would have went to full nine with it. Like, I, I feel like there's a, you can do a concept album. You want to throw back to like Tommy or Quadrophenia or, you know, Pink Floyd, the wall or something, make it a double album. They give, give me an, something interesting. And if it bombs, I don't really care, but that, that album is just kind of weird. And, and there's, you know, Mr. Blackwell and Gene stuff is really just kind of odd and very much in his character. And and and, and there's some rock and roll on there. Um, I you know it didn't sell, so they so they just own it. But a lot of fans really dig it. You know, and I, I dig it too. I mean, is it my first one I put on? No, but I, I I play it sometimes. I I I genuinely appreciate it. You know, and I think a lot of fans too. But Fortunately for KISS, if it doesn't sell a gazillion albums, then it's sort of a failure, and then they want to disown it. Like, and, uh, and unfortunately, you know, and fortunately, I mean, for KISS, it's, it's, you know, the bottom line is, is being a successful rock and roll outfit, making money, you know, they roll into town, and, you know, so they'll disown sort of, you know, hey, we were we're Barman Bailey, but then they say that, and then they come out with an album called Psycho Circus, you know, they have a circus opening up for them. the Dodger Stadium show, which I saw. So it's a little bit of a contradiction and those guys contradict themselves. But, you know, I think they're trying to put on a good show and and they say this themselves, you know, they're, they're entertainers first, musicians second. They're definitely entertainers. You know, they sort of have some misgivings. Although they'll, they'll, as a tie in with McFarlane toys and some other stuff. And I would have liked kids to come back after reunion with an album called Four of a Kind, you know, where they're sort of suited up as, you know, uh, four different Kings from a card deck, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, maybe psycho circus was a song on that, but it just, it, to me, it was kind of a, kind of a corny concept that it just didn't, you know, I felt like a step back from the massive success, and it was like kisses back. And, and, and I wanted those guys to, to, I wanted my heroes to kind of be back together. And we know, we, we know now that that didn't quite happen, but, um, but at the time, you know, going from transitioning from 70s Kiss to 80s Kiss, you know, as a relevant sort of, you know, top 40 MTV playing band, like, um, you know, the growing pains of that is is, is finding the right guitar player. And the guitar players they have are all interesting, you know, like the Elder, you know, you got, you, you do have Ace playing some great stuff on that. And then on the Creatures of the Night, you know, you've got, several people playing. We got Bob Kulik.
0: You've got, um, Vinnie Vincent, who was Vincent Gusano back then. Yeah. You have the, in fact, the guy that would later played for Mr. Mr. Was the lead on creatures of the night and he was, he was considered to be the replacement for ACE, but the one thing he couldn't do was sing and they wanted someone who, who could sing backup vocals and he couldn't do it. But even, yeah. you know, even as you as you moved on from the Elder and you went into Creatures, which is one of my favorite records, Kiss Lick It Up has a personal place in you know in my heart because it's the first record I ever bought. And then Animalize sure. came out, and Animalize really almost brought them back full circle. I mean, they had the popularity with Heaven's on Fire. A lot of some of the some of the rest of the record is not as strong as I would say a complete record like Creatures or Lick It Up is, but it definitely had the hit. And then also had the song thrills of the night, but then again, you had the issue with Mark St. John, who I think only did one live show during the whole time. Cause he developed a problem with his hand and you know, they, they then went with Bruce Kulik, Bob Kulick's brother who was, you know, not the flashiest guitar player, but very steady. And he's a good player. You know, they came out with asylum after that and asylum again, had the, had the song tears are fallen, which I think was a top 40 or top 20 hit. So when you look at you know Kiss in terms of their relevance yes they had valleys and they had pretty deep valleys of the popularity not being strong but then you know they had these upswings again you know they had the upswing obviously 70s kiss and growing that into alive 2 they had kind of a the 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 dead period I want to call maybe in terms of just not being the band they once were in like the late 70s, early part of the 80s, and then they slowly built it back up, and then they culminated with Tears Are Fallen and Heavens on Fire. Um, I thought Crazy Nights was a little bit of a step back um, in terms of their creativity, and I think Hot in the Shade was, even though Hot in the Shade had another big hit with Forever. And then Revenge, working with Bob Ezrin again, just a just a kick-ass record, man. I mean, Revenge was just an awesome album. And again, they they, they wrote a couple songs with... Vinnie Vincent for that record.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I agree. Um, I, I find the uh, asylum, asylum, and animalize uh, reverse order, uh, animalize asylum. Um, I think I think I find those albums really interesting. Um, you know, I know I remember listening to uh, podcast. Ten, Mil- Ten Mills is a podcast, and they they did they broke down. Uh, I think it was Animal Eyes with Mark St. John. There's there's a really cool uh, outtake of the recording of like Throw the Night on YouTube. Or, a longer session that's really cool. I definitely recommend checking that out. Yeah, you know, crazy nights. You know, there's there, there's also you know they also talk about Gene sort of being absentee and doing movies and, and and Paul sort of minding the shop at the time. You know, and you know carrying the band and he went out and did a solo tour in there. Um, I uh. Crazy Nights probably my least. It's very polished. It's very you know. It sounds just like it's very hit oriented. There's some White Snake style ballads on there that are, you know, I love White Snake. I love. uh, I just I just, you know, not not an album I play a lot. I I I revisited Hot and Shade. I picked up the vinyl. Uh, I got a really good. I got a steal on a brand new copy. It's a, it's a dense album. There's a lot of material on there, maybe a little bit too much. I I I I play it now. I like it. That's uh, that was the first tour I saw. Um, you know those, those songs, Hide Your Heart, and you know they had definitely had a heavier feel to them. I mean that's when they're kind of shedding some of the '80s glam stuff. You know they're getting a little bit more, uh, you know, and then and their photos, they weren't so Poofed up hair. You know there was some leather involved, some some, some denim you know, they're wearing Paul Stanley and Eric Carr wearing denim and still have boots on. But there wasn't a bunch of like, uh, bikini clad women in the (laughs) videos and all that stuff. I just find really interesting. I wish, I wish, I wish on that, uh, that, that hot, the shade tour, which is a gargantuan tour. I wish they would have done a live three with Eric, Eric Carr. Um, because it was a really great, great tour. And they were still playing some of those songs from the eighties. Like, uh, you know, what, what's the one off Lick It Up? That's, um,
0: you got uh, uh, All holes Breaking Loose. You have, is it a Gene song or a Paul song?
1: Then It uh, fits like a glove. It just yeah. fits like a okay. glove on that tour. And, and and it was great. There were some of those songs they don't do anymore from the 80s. They are still playing. And Eric Carr was a part of that. I, was, you know, I, would, I would have liked them to do, or even if a live three would have been even a double album. Anyway, I can think it was a double album, but it would have been cool to have a live album with Eric Carr, you know, in that 80s period. A uh, live three, which came out after Revenge, uh, which, which, and I, I get that Eric Singer revitalized them in, in a lot of ways. Some of that 80s stuff kind of got glossed over. They kind of go back to the, some of the seventies, which is all great. You, you know, uh, as a fan looking at the overall catalog, it's just, I, I, I have to look at it and find it interesting and, and just kind of plug in and enjoy it. I, uh, I have less critique of, uh, you know, I, I enjoy it more than I, than I, than I don't, you know. I, I, I definitely enjoy it, you know. Yeah, I,
0: you know, one of the interesting things about the Hot in the Shade album is it features the song Hide Your Heart, which was also, which Ace also recorded on Trouble Walking.
1: Yep, yep.
0: Which was yep. interesting. Um, does
1: Michael Bolton have like a co-write on that or something? That's
0: Forever. Michael Bolton uh, has the co- uh, the co-write on Forever. I think Hide Your Heart. It's on
1: Forever. Okay. Yeah,
0: I, th- I think um, Desmond
1: Child, Paul Stanley, Holly Knight. I'm looking at Ace. Set yeah. Right now, um, I heard they were going to bring Ace back. At that time, um, I, I I don't know. I haven't gone much into that. Looked much into that story or whatever, but I I've, I've heard that from some Kiss fans. Um, you know, somebody could could enlighten me on that. I always thought when they had Ace back in the band, I'm mean, why didn't they do Hide Your Heart with Ace? And let you know, Ace sing a sing a verse and Paul sing. You know, the trade off. I thought that would have been kind of cool. Then um, that that was a great great video. Uh, I loved all that classic MTV. You got a you got a helicopter flying around the. That was, was a that, great yeah, video. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It that, was that an LA hotel or a New York hotel. I can't remember off. Uh, there was some name yeah. on the top
0: of it. I forget. I forget yeah. what it was too. But no, excellent video. Probably. Yeah. I, I think mean,
1: it was New York because there's a subway in
0: there. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, That's a good point. I yeah. think though that yeah, out of all the videos in the '80s, I mean, I, I always like look it up. And all hell's breaking loose because it was like this Mad Max concept, and oh um, yeah, great. you know it was. Great. I mean, all hell's breaking yeah. loose is just all about debauchery and kicking over bonfires and, and just, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. And then the crazy nights videos were the, you know, they're kind of blah, but yeah, I do think hide your heart was one of their better videos of that era. That was a, it was and rise to it too. Cause when they kind of, they brought back, they, they're doing their makeup in the beginning in the dressing room and, yeah. you know, they go yeah. on a rise to sure. it. What so, so so you could tell that they were thinking about it or moving towards that. I mean, Obviously, after Hide Your Heart, Revenge comes out. Now, it was a live three. That was on the Revenge tour, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And then yeah. they were going to do a new album? Or no, they started recording that album that was like a grunge record. What was that album called?
1: Carnival of Souls.
0: Yes, yes. They started recording that, yeah. and they never released it. And then that's when the MTV Unplugged happened, and that's when they brought back Ace and Peter.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that they... Um I, you know, I think they were they were probably last to figure out, you know, what was going on with their legacy. But all those grunge bands loved Kiss. Mm-hmm. You know, all those guys, you know, just just loved them. And they had the Kiss, they had the Kiss tribute album, and then they had uh, a- Anthrax also. And Anthrax, I don't lump into the grunge. You know, I think the sound of White Noise, little more in that direction from not just the time period, but Anthrax was covering Kiss, and giving them. You know, Scotty and's always been a big. Publicly acknowledged that he's a Kiss fan. And so they were getting the props from the band, the bands that were, you know, younger than them and giving them the accolades. And finally, it was just like, uh, duh, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're Elder statesmen here. Let's, let's, let, let's claim this. Let's, let's cash in here. Let's, let's reclaim this. You know, and rightfully so, because I know without makeup, you know, I saw that revenge tour and I was a little disappointed with the stage. I, there, there wasn't the uh, three dimensional kiss letters, light up kiss letters that that they had on Hot in the Shade. They had a they had a Statue of Liberty on stage. I mean, I guess it was kind of cool, like a, a post apocalyptic New York. But it was uh, the face came off and there was a skull behind it, which it, it's okay. It's it's a little corny. Uh, they had a kiss. It was yellow with uh, black letters on it. You know, backdrop that came down. I I, I wanted I want that sign. I want that iconic sign. A 3D three dimensional sign that comes down to me. that's them playing in front of that is kiss. Which which they they forgot they forgot now. It's all just an LED video projection. Which I, I think you lose something with that. No, but yeah, it, it was the Revenge Tour. I guess sonically, I mean, Eric Singer brought brought a fury to that band. You know, I'm, I'm sure they were. I, I can't I can't help but not think. You know, losing. Their their bandmate Eric Carr, you know, we we, we got to do this right. This this other guy stepping in. Let's 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 make sure we do this. And well, Eric Singer,
0: of- Eric Singer was part of the Paul Stanley solo tour in the early '90s that he did. Yeah,
1: so,
0: so he was part yeah. of that band, and that's kind of where the connection was.
1: But that Revenge or Revenge, that um, Alive Three album sounds huge. It's it does. Huge, it, it, it does.
0: Yeah. Um, it really. I I, mean, I
1: I love that album
0: the live version of I was made for loving you just sounds phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Sounds, it sounds incredible.
1: Uh, Paul's got some great one-liners between, you know, introductions of the song. Um, it's yeah, it's, and then they also paid tribute to the past numbers. And when you open it up, I mean, I first had the CD as I have that LP now as well, but, uh, and Peter, we won't forget you. And, it's kind of an acknowledgement to those guys, really, and, and 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 they they I guess they have always resold and repackaged what they were in the seventies. That's what a lot of those videos were, uh, the mid to late eighties and not early nineties. And, and I love that. I love that marketing of themselves, and it's fine. It's, I I have, I, have no, I think it's great. It's great for a new fan to kind of come in and get exposed to that. But I I I, I, I mean I think seventies Kiss. 80s kiss to 90s kiss and beyond um it's it's all interesting I, I just i just find those guys as a cultural force of entertainment it's interested to see what they do next and see um you know i like it when paul stanley you know steps into his best shoes and then and, and, and writes and produces a new album or, you know when you got gene firing on all all eight cylinders yeah you know they're gonna be they're gonna be better than not when they're really bringing it you know and that's that's what i I appreciate about those guys
0: well, last question here before we last question before we end the podcast yeah they're doing their end of the road yeah. tour
1: yeah
0: what's your interest level on seeing them this one last time
1: well um I definitely want to see them they came through town and i was on the fence about going i I've, my issue in the last few years with kiss is um, i feel like they they have you know when something is around so much it ceases to become special it ceases to be have the magic i always felt like kiss could could, could have become more like the rolling stones and more of a you know we did this reunion tour let's take a couple years off regroup write a good album Go out on tour again, but then they come right back. You know, they come right back, and it's like, yeah, we're making money. We got to keep on doing it. And, and and people get, you know, I I, I saw them on the the first Fair world tour, and the two shows at Rosemont Horizon were sold out. And then they came back in the fall to the World Music Theater, and the grass was empty. And it's like, yeah, you, know, you know, it's kind of like beating a dead horse. Like how much you're gonna try to drain, milk this thing, and I, it becomes less special at that point. So in, in recent years, Kiss has been around, and 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 I know they're playing with Eric and Tommy, who are fine players. Um, I think they do a particularly good job. Um, What's I definitely your... would like – I want to see them again. I, I, I did see them at the Open Air Fest. It, 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 it wasn't a down show on a festival, festival um, stage. Um, it, it didn't have any specialness for me. There was just something – you know, something missing. And I was sort of like, why? Like, what, what's going on here? You know, it's a reunion. We're going out again. Oh, we got Ace. Oh, we're doing this thing. Like, like, have a, what, what's the reason we're going out? I think, I think they want to be like this relevant band. That's just like a, a, a contemporary force. And, um, they they've been around a lot in, 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 smaller versions of what they have been. And it, it's something that's a little bit, some, a little bit of the magic is lost, but I, from what I've heard about this last show, it's really, really good. You know, I, I know I know uh I know Paul Stanley isn't singing you, you, you know, he doesn't have the range he quite had back in back and uh, some of the stellar performances of uh, yesteryear I, 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 I still I'll, I'll still go I, I didn't believe that the last time around I, I don't believe a lot of what those guys say when they I, I don't think they're gonna leave money on the table I can't see them just
0: they never have saying, you, know, you know they never you have know, before you
1: know, I, I, there's money to be made with with, with Ace coming back or Ace sitting in or just just it's it, 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 it's such a well oiled machine I can't see them wanting to pack it in completely and I know Paul Stanley's a consummate performer as is Gene Simmons You know, guys love being on the road I I I, I think I think they'll extend it I, I I think I don't think I think they'll extend it longer than the shorter so I I, I do have interest in seeing it. I just, I just want there to be an element of magic and, and, and it's something that connects me back to that little kid that, uh, finds magic in that. And, and that's what initially brought me to kiss, uh, as a kid, you know, the magic of the superheroes, which was enough to kind of bring me on board to follow them from the seventies through the eighties and then, and then beyond. And, and, uh, still, you know, uh, for the most part, really appreciate those guys. And, 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 uh, and and look up to them as as you know quote unquote artists and entertainers
0: you know. Well, good deal. So. Um, I know you got to run. I wish we could talk about this for another hour because I think there's so much more we could talk about it. But I know you got to get going. Sure. I do appreciate the sure. time. I do appreciate you doing this. Um, thanks again, yeah. Justin. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, once again, Justin Barron talking about Kiss on the Hook. Thanks for for listening, everyone. I appreciate it.
1: All right, take care. All right, bye bye.